Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks and Locked On SoCal Hockey, walk the red carpet with myself and Sarah Avampado as we give out some awards. Well, technically the NHL has done that, but we'll talk about the NHL awards on today's Locked On SoCal Hockey, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going? Happy Friday, Sarah. Yay, we made it. Yay, we made it to the end of the week. We didn't kill each other. Success. I, I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> Now we're good, but welcome everyone to Locked on SoCal Hockey. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, host of Locked on Anaheim Ducks. I'm Sarah Avampato, host of Locked on Los Angeles Kings. We sound good, don't we? I guess. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sound quality, we sound good. Sure. Yeah, I guess. And no weird pauses in between the time that we talk. I think you mentioned that last time, that there's no weird pause, right? Magic. Yeah, it's it's magic. Yay. Anyway, uh, you could hear both of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, what what else? Hot air balloon? <laughs> that's a new one. <laughs> you, you made that sound. Anyway, that's a new one. She got me on that one. So um, we have some NHL awards to talk about. There was a slew of them over the past couple of weeks, and we haven't talked about any of these because neither of our lousy teams had any finalists, did they? Look, Mikey Anderson got one vote. One. That's it. So looking at the four major awards, we'll look at, let's see, just Calder Trophy. Mikey Anderson got one vote. Anaheim Ducks? No. Okay. Vesna Trophy? Neither of our teams. Norris Trophy? Neither of our teams again. Hart Trophy? neither of our teams so what what do we talk about even the other teams i guess i guess yeah i, I yeah. guess we should do that so let's get right into it with the i don't want to say the lesser awards but the awards that don't get as much play let's put oh, it that way yeah we're spreading light on other stuff yeah there is let's start with the bill masterton Memorial Trophy. Now, this trophy goes to the player for that exemplifies perseverance in hockey. We both agree on this one, and it's not even close. Oscar Lindblom from the Philadelphia Flyers wins the Masterton Memorial Trophy this season. The left winger for the, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Look, the stats do not matter on this one mm. at all. Oscar Lindblom battled sarcoma, which is a rare form of cancer. And this is going to be like a little bit personal for me because I hosted a Locked on Jeopardy last year and I actually donated some of the proceeds to the SFA, the Sarcoma Foundation of America. I still get like emails thanking me for that, which is really cool. But that was a wonderful cause to give money to and he did eventually beat this. So this was not close. So this is one of the awards that every team in the league gets to nominate a player. I believe this is one that's voted on by the... uh... Hockey Writers Association, uh, they're the ones who name players for this award. Uh, so obviously, yeah, like Oscar Lindblom coming back from cancer. He, he, the fact that he played in the playoffs last season, he was on a lot of people's ballots last year too uh, because of how he returned to playing. The other top three finalists for this one were Matt Dumba from the Minnesota Wild and Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks. So really the three of them were the triumvirate of your traditional Masterton Award nominees guy who persevered over a serious illness, guy who, you know, is involved in important social causes or has been done something noteworthy in that world, and then 
old guy. <laughs> That's the best way to put it, isn't it? Yeah. So, once again, congrats to Oscar Lindblom for winning the Masterton Trophy. Well-deserved, I think. Yeah. This, this was the obvious choice to yeah. me. Uh, another, I guess, obvious choice. Let's go with the other obvious choice. And that is the Lady Bing Trophy. The Lady Bing Memorial Trophy, which is given for gentlemanly conduct. And this is Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, congrats, Jared, on having your boy winning this one. Jacob Slavin had only one minor penalty in the entire season. How? Magic. Yeah. And the penalty that he took was a puck over the glass penalty. So it wasn't even like a real (laughs) one. Uh, And, you know, it's not like he is a guy who gets limited minutes or anything. Like, he is their top defenseman in many ways. He plays 23 minutes a game. Exactly. So it's, it's... a lot of people were like, ah, should he get this thing? Like, look at the quality of competition, whatever. He plays 23 minutes a game. In what division? Well, this year was the weird hell division of, <laughs> like... <laughs> Tampa. Yeah. Florida. Yeah. Look, that was a legit division. Yeah. To go through that gauntlet and get one minor penalty. Yeah. But just the way he conducts himself on the ice, yeah. too. This is an obvious award. Not even close. And it was... In the voting, he got 73 first place votes. No one else was in double digits. It was this obvious, right? Yeah. So, once again, congrats to Jacob Slavin winning the King, or sorry, the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy. So, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. One final award to get to is the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, which is given to the player that does great work in his community. And this time it is King Clancy winner. Pecorine from the Natural Predators. All right. Uh, That's a pretty good one. Uh, He's done a lot of humanitarian work in Nashville. Uh, Donates to a lot of local charities. Spends a lot of time in Nashville just giving back to the community. So this this is a very good one, I thought. Yeah, this, this award, I feel like, is one of the harder ones for me. Because unless you're really in tune with each team and what they're doing... It's hard to know which players are doing what out in the community. A lot of them don't get the big press that, you know, P.K. Subban, who was a fellow nominee for this, like, has his own, like, press machine, essentially. So everyone knows when P.K. Subban does anything, which I think is awesome. Don't get me wrong there. (laughs) But it's really hard to know what, you know, Pecorine won this. And I was like, I'm sure he's deserving, but I don't know what he does. Getting to, to see what he is involved in, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. That makes sense. But this one's kind of hard to judge from the sidelines because I just don't know what every guy on every team is doing to know if someone was more deserving or not. Well, I can tell you a little bit about what he Great. does. Yeah. So he is active in the Best Buddies program in Tennessee, which is always a fantastic charity to in a great program just on its own right. He interacts with cancer patients. Uh, he participates in the Make-A-Wish Foundation you know, helping grant wishes to those with a lot of terminal illnesses. I always love seeing those make a wish. I don't know about you, but I love seeing mm-hmm. those stories when you have kids that, you know, they're having a tough time, some of them with terminal illness. And it's kind of like their last big wish to have that moment with a player. It To me, it's just so cool. Like it kind of like just warms yeah. my heart a little bit. It grows a couple sizes. You know, I've seen this several times across the league. Um, something that the Ducks... Does, I'm going back to the Ducks because this is a Ducks podcast and 
I have to talk about the Ducks at some point in this podcast, so here it is. The Ducks do something called the 21st Duck. I'm sure you remember. If For those unfamiliar, they designate one player each year to be the 21st Duck, and they will bring them back every year. Uh, last year, it was Lena, no, yeah, Lyra Doderlin, who won the 21st Duck Award. Uh, she's a par- paraplegic. She has no legs. And she does the sled hockey for USA Women's Hockey. And she's actually part of that under-18 select team. Hmm. So I, I remember when I saw that one, I thought it was really cool. But that's something that the team does as a whole, not any one player, which is why you never see a Duck player winning this award, because that's something the team does. For Pecorina, he does this all on his own and spends his own time and money for this, which I think is really amazing. So this is a slam dunk of award. Uh, congrats once again, Pecorine. Good job on that one, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to head into the first intermission, and we have some more awards to give out, don't we? We sure do. So I'll let you take it out to the commercial. Uh, we've got some awards to talk about after this break, so, so, you know, let's hang out and hear about some other stuff, and then come back and hear about some more awards. Welcome back to the fabulous award ceremony on Locked On Soulcaw Hockey. I'm your humble host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, and I have my wonderful hostess right next to me, Sarah Avampato. Yay, awards! Yay, awards! We didn't quite dress up for the occasion, did we? I sure did. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm all fancy looking over here. I don't yeah, know what he's talking about. No, she, folks, she looks better than I do. I will... Always admit that. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some awards. Maybe these are the ones that we don't agree with too much. I mean, we have to talk about these. So which one do you want to talk about first? GM or Willie O'Ree Award? Uh, let's do the Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Ree. All right. So Kevin Hodgson from Hockey Education Reaching Out Society, he won the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, which is great. Um, he empowers at-risk youth. All over Canada, which is great. Um, but that's not who I would have given the award to, is it? Yeah. Who would you have given the award to? And I know you're very high on this one. Yeah, so one of the other uh, nominees was Renee Hess, who is the woman behind the Black Girl Hockey Club, who founded it and now has become a movement and not just a way for fans to connect. Uh, and she was uh, one of the other three people you could vote on for this award. And uh, I know there was a lot of grassroots uh, support, essentially, for her from uh, at least the, the section of hockey Twitter that I'm on. But I think that she is, you know, providing a really necessary uh, outlet for for fans in in a league where, you know, if if you go to a hockey game and you look around, chances are that most people around you are white people, uh, and which makes it hard for people of color to get into this sport because they don't feel like they're going to be accepted or that there's room for them uh, in this sport. And so she has really created an environment that helps welcome in fans of color, both new fans who maybe were afraid to get into hockey because they, uh, you know, saw how white it was and were like, oh, no, thank you. That's not for me. Uh, or fans who had felt pushed away from the sport. Uh, because of the same thing. Uh, and so she's really done a lot to create sort of that welcoming environment. And it has blossomed now into, like I said, a whole movement, uh, including 
creating things like the Get Uncomfortable Challenge to challenge fans and teams and organizations to really examine, uh, you know, racism and privilege and what are they doing to make the hockey world a better world for everybody. And, and you know, there are NHL teams that have, like, stepped up and taken the Get Uncomfortable Challenge. Uh, you know, the Seattle Kraken, I know, are one of them. I think the Kings might have done it. I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, there are people taking notice of what she's doing uh, with or without the league's uh, explicit approval necessarily, but I, I think that she's doing something really fantastic and giving the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award to a black woman who, helping to make sports and hockey a better place would have just been to steal it from baseball. Like, you would have knocked that one out of the park. But, I love it. you know, I, I fine. Uh, the work that uh, Kevin Hodgson, do, Hodgson does is very important, and I think that is great. And any other year, I would have very gladly been like, yes, this guy is doing something fantastic and should be honored. This one's hard for me to talk about for obvious reasons. And I'll only talk about this for a few seconds. Being a minority myself, especially covering a sport, as you mentioned, that is predominantly white, it did say it takes some time for new people that are minority to get into the sport of hockey and, you know, not having her win it. I mean, it's not that I just felt not hurt by it, but it just would have been the great cherry on top of a year where we've had so much social injustice. Mm -hmm. We have the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, all this stuff. It just would have been the cherry on top. I think it would have been more appropriate, but that's just me talking. Yeah. Not to take away once again from Kevin Hodgson, who does a lot of fantastic work. And I agree with you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Any other year, any other year, I would have voted Hodgson to win this award. So that's just where I am personally on that one. Okay. Uh, the other award that we kind of went, oh, really? The Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award. This one went to Lou Lamorello of the New York Islanders, which is not to say he didn't do a great job. Look, he put together a great team in Long Island. The Isles took Tampa to a Game 7 in the playoffs. They built a good roster. But there was a couple other candidates that we thought were more deserving than Lou Lamorello, didn't we? Yeah. So this year, uh, the top three were Lamorello, Mark Bergevin uh, from Montreal, and Bill Zito from the Florida Panthers. Uh, and Lamorello, I mean, I still don't... He won it last year, too, right? Yeah. Like, what changes did he make this year? What did he do this year to make the Owls better than they were last year? Uh, he picked up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac and got them to a Game 7 instead of a Game 6. I, that doesn't and, that doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah. That's not who I would have given the award to this year. You and I might differ on this one. Between Bergevin and Zito, who did you have? I leaned more towards Bill Zito, uh, just because no one expected the Florida Panthers to do anything. Uh, and he made enough kind of small tweaks, brought in some more veteran players uh, to, I mean, they made it to the playoffs. They had a fantastic season. At points, they were number one in the league, which mm -hmm. no one expected from them. Uh, and, you know, he came, this is his first year as the GM of this team. And he came in and sure, the core of the roster was already there, but he built the little pieces around them to make them into something better. But, you know. Yeah, this one was tough for me. I would have leaned slightly toward Mark Bergevin because he also made a lot of mm -hmm. little micro deals that made that team a little better, a little better. And with every micro deal, he didn't make any bad moves at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the obvious move 
that Mark Bergevin made was uh, picking up Corey Perry for minimum. I'm going to take a drink on this one, but how how did Corey Perry do this season, Sarah, while I take a drink? Uh, you know, I, th- I think he did pretty good. I, I, don't, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but he is, oh, you know, playing in his second consecutive Stanley Cup final yeah. while getting paid a significant amount of money from the Ducks still. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Oh, it's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, great steal for Mark Bergevin to be able to play, to be able to pay uh, Corey Perry league minimum uh, and and still get a great performance from him, and to, like, wave Corey Perry to put him on the the, the oh, taxi geez. squad and still, like, you know, no one claimed him, and now, obviously, he's back in it, but everything's fine. But I wouldn't have had a problem with Bergevin either, uh, and he, especially looking at Montreal, like, Bergeron has been the architect of that team. He has been there so long now that he's the guy who got all of those pieces in place, or most of them at least. Um, the thing that bothers me about this one more necessarily than the fact that Lou Lamarillo won it for no apparent reason is that the voting on this one wasn't done until after at least the first round of the playoffs, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know... That has to color, even if people say, oh, I didn't take the playoffs into account, that has to color your voting uh, because the Owls obviously made it on, the Canadians made it on, the Florida Panthers met up against the juggernaut that is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and there we go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that even if people don't want to admit it, the fact that voting was timed for after the start of the playoffs was weird because these are all supposed to be regular season awards. Oh, this will suspect all the way. No question about it. Okay, um, we have. Let's do one more award, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, the other one that we disagree on a little bit <laughs> was the Selkie Trophy. This one went to Alexander Barkov, who was apparently the best defensive forward. I disagree with this one quite a bit. Not that I don't think Alexander Barkov had a great season. This to me was a make good award. Patrice Bergeron, he's won this award before. This was a make good for Alexander Barkov to get his first Selkie trophy, which I thought it could have gone to either Bergeron or Mark Stone, Mm -hmm. who I thought was very impressive with Vegas and still doesn't get enough love in this league for this particular award. Despite the fact that Vegas did lose in the fashion to Montreal, uh, there's two things I liked about Mark Stone's game this year. One, his overall play in the neutral zone, his overall just defensive capabilities in helping his teammates out and in that same regard helping his teammates out taking responsibility Mm -hmm. for his teammates i liked his postseason press conference he took complete responsibility Mm -hmm. for vegas's loss he didn't pin it on anyone else he didn't pin it on the goaltenders Mm -hmm. didn't address that he said no this is on me Mm -hmm. that's that takes guts to say that doesn't it yeah yeah, I, I thought that this could have been his year uh, because we all know the talk about this award is always just that, uh, you know, it, it goes to a center. It doesn't matter what you did as a winger. Uh, Marion Hosa was always kind of the classic example over the past handful of years of a guy who probably should have gotten a lot more recognition for this Elkie than he ever did. Uh, but there's just a reluctance to give it to someone who's a winger uh, because of, you know, wingers have less defensive responsibility, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But a guy like Mark Stone, you watch him. Like, I, when I, like, fell in, lo- in love with hockey again, it was 
I fell in love with like a good defense, a good, you know, puck protection, a good steal in the corner. Like that's the stuff that I find is really neat. So as much as I hate Vegas and as much as I don't want nice things for them, I love watching Mark Stone play. And uh-huh. I really wish that he was back, you know, still in Ottawa or at least in the Eastern Conference or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought this could have been his year finally and we could have put to bed the whole, oh, no one but a center is going to win this award. Um, yeah, again, Barkov, phenomenal player, uh, absolutely deserving of a Selkie. If it should have been this year, I don't know. And Patrice Bergeron, I think, just gets votes because he's perfect. Like, I feel like if I were filling out this ballot and I was like, oh, I need another player to put in my top for the Selkie, I'd be like, ah, screw it, Patrice Bergeron. Uh, Because he's just Patrice Bergeron. He's won this award before. About 800 times. Exactly. It's a make good. Uh, This might be a case of East Coast bias. Yeah, yeah. More than a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of East Coast bias... You know, like, you have to have a lot of strength to watch games in the East Coast. You know, if if you have to get up early, like 9 a.m., on those noon Eastern games, you need a little pick-me-up, don't you? <laughs> I think you do, yeah. A little energy to start your day. Yeah, and you know where you could get that kind of energy is the world's greatest protein bar ever. How do you love that segue, folks? It Amazing. Is Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. Sarah, you have plenty of Built Bars right around the corner. I do. And you have this cookie flavor. It's really delicious, isn't it? I mean, which cookie flavor? There's a lot of cookie flavors. Yes, to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Built Bars come in a whole bunch of amazing different flavors. They have nine core flavors, uh, including one of my personal favorites, uh, peanut butter chocolate or something like that. They all taste amazing. Uh, You can't have those ones, so I'm just going to tell you they're delicious. Okay. Uh, But... You know, they they have this this core set of flavors, but the great thing about Built Bar is that at any time you can go to BuiltBar.com and see what sort of special flavors they have available. So you might be able to find my real personal favorite, which is the Cookies and Cream Built Bar or the like cookie chocolate chip cookie chunk, whatever they're called. Cookie uh, dough, baby. Yes, that thing. Cookie dough Uh, and the churro puff. The churro puff. So... Built Bars, if you like are, you're like, oh, I don't know that I love these nine core flavors, you're in luck because there are always other flavors to choose from. And they're all covered in 100% chocolate. It tastes like you're eating a candy bar. And they're actually good for you, which is, you know, pretty neat. Yeah, especially for a runner like myself. Yeah. yeah. So head over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get a 15% discount on your next order of Built Bar. And once again, that is Built Bar. Eat responsibly. All right. We are going to head into the second intermission while Sarah is glaring at me because I'm going to make her edit this later. But that's okay because she's smiling at me later. I'm going to take a drink and we'll get to the other awards on the other side. Welcome back, folks, to Locked on SoCal Hockey. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, the host of Locked On L.A. Kings. Quack. Quack. <laughs> Everything's normal, Quack. right? Uh, yeah. Hi. We're back. It's fine. Everything's fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. I, I may have had a drink. Anyway, so let's talk about the other awards. We can't say that out loud, can we? Yes, we can. So the Jack Adams Coach of the Year Award went to Rod Brindamore, who looks like he's still in plain shape. I think he is, yes. 
This is the guy that I aspire to look like when I turn 50 <laughs> because he's jacked for his age. No, that is goals. Like that's going to be like a life goal is I'm going to start hitting the gym way more and start looking like that right now so I could look as good as he does. But that notwithstanding. That is actually why they give out the award. That That is actually the criteria for Jack Adams is which coach is the most jacked. <laughs> is that is that true? It is true now. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's let's believe Sarah on this one. She she has the inside scoop on this. Oh, folks, yeah. yeah. So she knows. Uh, Rod Brindamore was the obvious winner here, leading Carolina to an excellent record and making the playoffs once again. This was obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, and it it, it, it seemed overdue almost. Uh, I feel like you could have given it to him any of the past couple of years for what he has done to really build that team and build that team culture. Uh, and the thing I always say, and not just me, like lots of people on, online say this, is that, you know, show me a good goaltender and I'll show you your Jack Adams award winner, which in this case is not really 100% true. I, I don't think that goaltending is necessarily the story for the Carolina Hurricanes. They used three different goaltenders. Peter Mrazek was good. Alex Ndelkovich was really good. James Reimer existed. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not like you had a goaltender putting on a Vezina caliber outstanding performance you just had a good solid team performance from the Carolina Hurricanes uh so I I think it was a very deserving award uh from him and good yeah. job yeah to segue from one Carolina to another Carolina we're gonna talk about the Calder Trophy because I think Ned deserved some more love on this one and he didn't he should have gotten second place on this one personally yeah but it went to Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars first place this was obvious Kirill Kaprizov who may or may not be coming back to the Minnesota Wild next season. Oops. So if you want to hear about that, uh, click on over to Locked on Wild and hear Seth Topol cry for about 20 minutes about Kap- Kirill Kaprizov. But he is your Calder Trophy winner with almost all the first place votes. Jason Robertson, great name by the way, he got one vote. One first place vote, and that's it. Alex Nedeljkovic got all the third place votes. Where's the love for Ned on this one? I thought he could have been second on this one, yeah, personally. I did too. I, I, I think Jason Robertson kind of, he had such a strong end to the season that it's a little bit of the, the recency effect. I mean, Nadalkovich came in at the end of the season too, but I feel like for some reason he just flew under the radar. Uh, I mean, I mean, but when you look at Nadalkovich, the Carolina Hurricanes waived him at the beginning of the season yeah. to put him on the taxi squad because no one thought that... And you know, I, as someone who has sort of covered the Hurricanes and covers their minor league team, and I know Jared from Locked on Hurricanes, like we both were like, ah, Ned is done. Like we didn't think he had a future with or- this organization, and uh, he just came storming up whenever uh, Peter Marasic had an injury. And now the Hurricanes might have their goaltender of the future. Yeah, but, he uh, storm surged his way back. I mean, the ultimate redemption arc. Sarah's gonna laugh for a minute at that one. The redemption arc for this one is that Ned became that number one guy during the playoffs, Mm -hmm. which I thought was an amazing arc in itself. Then you factor in the point, well, what about Peter Mrazek? No, we're going to have Ned. He's our guy. And speaking to the coach of the year as the segue, Rod Brindamore made the decision to start Nadelkovich down the stretch and win some important games, won some important playoff games, winning that first round. So like you said, show me a Jack Adams winner. Show me a good goaltender. Ned was that goaltender for a good, maybe two-month stretch of time. 
So I thought he should have gotten some more love and did not. But anyway, Kirill Kaprizov, the near-unanimous Calder Trophy winner. Congrats to him. He may or may not come back to Minnesota. Who knows? I mean, we have a feeling that he's not coming back. I, don't, I just won't be sad to not have to to, to, to not see him eight, eight times. times a year. Yeah, I think we're both thrilled for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. He scored a lot of sick goals on the Kings. He scored a lot of goals on the Ducks, too. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Like, we, we both. I mean, wow. I, I heard your podcast when Kaprizov scored that game-winning goal in overtime early Don't in the season. Me. And then I made the same. Oh, man. Anyway, we still have nightmares about that one. Uh, speaking of great goaltending, the Vesna Trophy. Hey, another segue. Mark andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights. Hey, Vegas actually won something this Yay. year. Mark andre Fleury was the near... It was close. Fleury had 14 first-place votes. Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay had 12. Philip Grubauer had two. This was close. Mark andre Fleury is your Vesna Trophy winner for the 2020-21 season. Or, sorry, the 21 season. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Fleury was the guy for Vegas... And played in all the big moments for the Vegas Golden Knights, dot, 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 except for one. This is where I'm going to fault Pete DeBoer, who is far from a Jack Adams winner. Show me a good goaltender. Okay, play your good goaltender. Oh, wait, you're not you're not going to play him in game five? What? <gasps> what? You're not going to play him in game <sighs> No, they did that. Vegas chose to start Robin Leonard. And what happened towards the end of that series? He didn't get them the win, did he? Nope. Mark andre Fleury was your horse. You stick with your horse. Yes, Fleury had that one play, that one, as uh, Steve Dangle would say, dang it, in Game 3 where he kind of let in that softball goal that went off his skate. But aside from just that one moment, he was good throughout the season, through the playoffs, Yes, he's your Vesna Trophy winner, and you don't start him in one of the biggest games of the season. Oh, boy, that's a big oof right there. But he is deserving of the award. I'm just saying they should have played him in that big moment and didn't, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and this is this is the one time where I would be glad to see someone from Vegas get anything exciting uh, for them. Uh, yeah, I think Flurry deserved it. He had an amazing season this year. He came back from, you know... Being stabbed in the back, if you ask his agent. Uh, you know, I, I think that he just... I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, so much drama. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that Flurry, And this isn't even necessarily a recognizing for past performance award. Although it is surprising that it took this long for him to get a Vesna nod. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very well deserved. I'm also perfectly fine not seeing Andre Vasilevsky win anything anymore. So Well, he will probably win something in about oh, a week. gross. I'm just saying. Ugh. I'm just saying. Fine. Okay. We got two more awards to get to. The Norris Trophy, Best Defenseman. I don't agree with this one, but Adam Fox won the award from the New York Rangers. Um, who did you have winning this award? I, I, I don't know. I didn't really... Drew Doughty. No, God, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't... Like, Kale McCarr was the second place uh, winner for this one. 
And I mean, he he had a phenomenal phenomenal season, and I would have had no problem with him winning. Uh, I just honestly probably watched two Rangers games this year, so I don't really know okay. what Adam Fox has done in, in in this season. But I should probably come in, shouldn't I? I guess. Yeah, I watched about ten Rangers games Why? this season. That because I'm me. I watch a lot of hockey. You know this. <laughs> so as far as Adam Fox is concerned, look, he's a great defenseman. I think Kel McCarr is a more complete defenseman in a shorter amount of time. He has a more well-rounded defensive game. He has better defensive strategies in his own individual sense. Kel McCarr, I think, is the more complete offensive defense defenseman between Kel McCarr and Adam Fox. Not to disavow Adam Fox from this award at all. No, I think Adam Fox did a fantastic job with New York. Uh, that notwithstanding, did they make the playoffs? No. And this kind of should... This one, this is a case where I would say, yeah, maybe give it to the guy that helped lead the team to a president's trophy. That's what I'm saying. Fox, okay, so his stats was five goals, 42 assists, mm. which is fine. And he did lead the Rangers in ice time. That's great, too. But a lot of those assists were kind of cherry-picked a little bit. Not to say... Well, no, I am going to say it. There was some cherry-picking there happening in New York. Especially when some of those goals came against, oh, I don't know, the Philadelphia Flyers. Remember that whole stretch when Philadelphia... Okay, so I watched these games closely because I just wanted to see how bad it would get for Philly. And it got worse and worse and worse. And you have some of those assists that were like, oh, really? Really? That? that? Okay, let's go with that. No, McHale had eight goals, 36 assists. But a lot of the assists for Colorado came on the power play. But mm-hmm. McHale was usually the one left off the scoreboard. If there was a tertiary assist, McCarr would get almost all of those. He was just left off the scoring sheet a lot of times by guys like, oh, I don't know, some guy named Nathan McKinnon, maybe? Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah. Yeah. You see what I'm getting at, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Kill McCarr really quarterbacked that power play line a little better than Fox. So, I would have given him the award, and it was close. 41st place votes for Adam Fox, 31 for Kill McCarr. I'm just saying. That's who I would have given the award to. Fair. Okay, uh, and then there's one, we'll, we'll just say very quickly, um, the Hart Trophy, the MVP of the league, um, Connor McDavid. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Con- Connor McDavid. Unanimous winner. First guy since Wayne Gretzky to do it. Of course he was. If you, like, everyone voted for Connor McDavid. He's freaking Connor McDavid. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. 100, 100 points in that few games. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Sick. It, it is sick. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the flu. That's how sick he was this season. Oh. Okay, we're going to end the podcast right there, folks, since we're way over time. But, Sarah, where can the fine folks find your work on the socials and all that jazz? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E, said Sarah with an H. You can find Locked on Kings on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Uh, if you are hungry for more NHL news, I am on Mondays and Wednesdays of Locked on NHL, which is our national show. 
covering all sorts of stuff around the league. Lots of great conversations about what is going on league-wide. Uh, that's on Twitter at Locked on NHL Pods. All of these shows are available wherever you get your podcasts. So go check all of them out and uh, say hello to me. Yeah, you have a Substack, Line to the Throne. You talk about the Kings. You cover the Canes. The yeah, yeah, all that fun stuff. So make sure to find her on the socials and find her work online. She does a terrific job, I think. Yeah, my most exciting work is uh, coming up with the draft, where I go and investigate the social media of teenagers to see who has dogs. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, how do I top that, folks? Um, I'm on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. You can search for Locked on Anaheim Ducks <laughs> on anywhere that podcast can be found. I don't know what's happening here. It is Friday. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> we're done for the week. That's it. We're done. We did it. Yay. Yay. Uh, we're going to go finish some drinks and and just end the week on a high note. Um, oh, by the way. It is a holiday weekend, so it is 4th of July weekend. Please celebrate responsibly. Yeah, that's all I can say about that. Uh, We'll be back on Monday, yes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll be here on Monday. So until then, that was... Sarah Avampato from Locked on Kings. And I'm Jason Hernandez from Locked on Anaheim Ducks saying, have a great weekend. Please continue to be safe out there. Um, Get vaccinated if you haven't already. Please be kind to one another, and we fly together. Quack. (laughs) Oh, that was surprising. Shall we wish everyone a good weekend? Have Have a a great great weekend, weekend, everyone. (laughs)